And hello, Las Vegas. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience 30 Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. I'm Crystal Heath. This is The Friddle Show coming to you every Thursday at 7 on this station. You can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for The Friddle Show. Now you're like, but don't we do this every day of the week? Kind of yes and kind of no. So throughout the week... It's, I, it's called Drive Time with Friddle because sometimes I'll just come in, talk about random stories and whatever, have a good time. And not that we don't have a good time on Thursdays. We do. We always have a good time. At least I always have a good time. I don't know if you guys have a good time or not. I assume if you're listening that you you, you must like something about what we're doing here. But um, Thursday is a day that I dive into the news and the politics deeply. The rest of the time, you know, we'll, we'll talk about... Um, wonderful other things like stories about dogs and Chick-fil-A and deserted islands, archaeological discoveries, just just cool stuff that I find around. Today, though, Thursdays, for the most part, are usually uh, more topic central and or news central. Why am I reminding you of this? You've been listening, you know. I, I'm kind of just reminding myself, um, this is the first time in over three weeks, I think. Because I was gone for two. We didn't have a show last week. It's, this is Yeah, it's been like a month since I've done this. So I'm pretty much just reminding myself what we're doing today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Alright, so we're going to start with the headlines. Yesterday, if you were uh, tuned in, we discussed uh, the feud that erupted after the president's uh, tweets on Sunday morning regarding uh, those who do not appreciate our country, specifically women in Congress who are uh, progressive leftists, that if they don't appreciate our country and the way that America works, that you know perhaps they should return from whence they came and help the countries that they came from, which are corrupt and um, not functioning in the way that the United States functions. I I talked about it yesterday in depth, so I'm not going to dive into it again, except to summarize with this. Uh, One, was what the president said racist? Personally, I don't believe that it was. And the reason is because if you know uh, the history of countries um, in question and their current political and economic state, they're just not in in the place that the United States is in. That said... Two, I don't think um, that sometimes or many times when the president takes to Twitter that he effectively communicates a point in a way, um, in the way that maybe it would be better communicated. All right. So, for example, though he didn't say specifically what congresswoman he was speaking of in those specific tweets, uh, it was pretty well assumed that he was talking about four in particular, only one of which is actually an immigrant. So you would have to go back further in uh, in the lineage of the others to determine whence uh, their ancestry would be from. And I think that's where the racist aspect, if you, if you want to go there, that's really the only place I think that you can go that way. Simply saying these things uh, about different countries I don't think is racist. It's, it's just factual um, that other countries are not as developed as the U.S. But the fact that um, the president portrayed it in the way that he did, I think was just unnecessary. And then that led to Nancy Pelosi bringing a uh, rebuke of the president, 
on the House floor. That passed pretty much along party lines, uh, but not without much ado, as Republicans uh, also were able to have Nancy Pelosi essentially held in contempt. That's not the wording, but that's basically what has happened is Pelosi was held in contempt as the Speaker, and uh, so she got a reprimand as well. So at the end of the day, we had the House uh, reprimanding the President and the House reprimanding uh, Pelosi. So you know, just one big uh, merry-go-round. And then the president, uh, following all of this, of course, took back to Twitter to say some more things, um, essentially equated the Democratic Party with the ultra-leftists that he believes are taking over the party. It's a brilliant political move to try and get uh, all Democrats to be viewed as being as radical as uh, these four congresswomen that have come into question over the last few days. Pelosi responded uh, to Trump's attempt to link all Democrats to what is being called the squad, these four ladies. Uh, She's vowing that they are not going to waste their time on that. President, of course, saying that New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the face of her party. Now, you know, Nancy Pelosi, being the most powerful Democrat in Washington, D.C. right now, arguably, you know, she kind of took issue with that a little bit. You could see the visible agitation in the response. She said, with all due respect, let's not waste our time on that during a press conference. And then speaking of the president specifically, she said, we are not having him set our agenda. We are setting our own agenda. Well, maybe so, but it seems like you're focusing a whole, whole lot on the president and his issues, and this repetitive... (laughs) You're just trying to build a campaign ad with this whole rebuke thing, and then there was an attempt at another impeachment. We'll talk about that in a moment, but... um, so it's Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, the Democrat from Michigan, Ilan Omar, also a Democrat from Minnesota, and Ayanna Presley, a Democrat from Massachusetts. Um, this is what, uh, they're all freshman lawmakers, it's the squad, if you will, that the president is trying to portray as the radical face of the Democratic Party. He tweeted, quote, the squad has moved the Democratic Party substantially left and they are destroying the Democratic Party party. During the press conference where she addressed this, Pelosi dismissed all of his tweets and just said, you have to give him credit. He's a great distractor. That's what this is about. So let's just take it to a better place. America. All right. But all is not well between the squad and Pelosi again when you have when you have these freshmen being super vocal and being portrayed by arguably the most influential man in America even if you don't like him <laughs> everybody talks about him everybody knows what he's doing so i don't think anyone can argue like him or not that Donald Trump is the most influential man in America so he is portraying your party as being as the face of the party being these four women Pelosi I, I I just feel like knowing her personality as we have seen it demonstrated in the past that this cannot be making her happy at all 
Not to mention the fact that she and Ocasio-Cortez have gotten into their own disputes <laughs> more than once in the short time that AOC has been in office. Um, in fact, last week, they had an ongoing public spat with the speaker after Ocasio uh, and at one point, Ocasio Cortez suggested that the speaker was signaling them out because they were women of color. It's called a circular firing squad. I've seen Republicans and conservatives do it a lot, honestly, way too much. But Democrats historically have kind of rallied around the wagon. We don't shoot at each other. They stay on message historically much better than than I believe that Republicans and conservatives do. And we could have a discussion about that if you want. But I've never seen such angst in the Democratic Party to where you have different factions and people vying for power and publicly um, battling, if you will. It's not really something that Democrats do. At least not that in recent history. Republicans, yeah, all the time. But Democrats, not so much. And I don't know if that also might be feeding into what Pelosi did uh, with the House resolution condemning the president. If she's trying to kind of right the ship and represent that unified front that Democrats are so good at having. I don't know. I don't know. But knowing... Knowing AOC's personality and Pelosi's personality, I have a, just a suspicion that this whole feuding may continue. So one of the four of the, uh, of the squad, Representative Ilan Omar, proposed a resolution this week in the House, supporting the right to boycott Israel and liken the boycott of the Jewish state to boycotts of Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. While the resolution, according to Fox News, doesn't explicitly name Israel or the pro-Palestinian boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, she told media outlets that the resolution concerns the Jewish state. And she said, it is an opportunity for us to explain why it is we support a nonviolent movement, which is the BDS movement. Representative Lee Zeldin, a Republican, slammed Omar, saying she brought her hateful twist to the matter. She said, he said, Israel is our best ally in the Middle East, a beacon of hope, freedom, and liberty, surrounded by existential threats. Shame on Representative Omar for bringing her hateful twist on that reality to House Foreign today, propping up the BDS movement and blaming Israel for all of its challenges. The resolution itself affirms the right to boycott and compares this boycott to what would have to boycott movements against Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, and apartheid South Africa. I'm sorry, but the fact that you are comparing modern-day Israel 
to Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, and apartheid South Africa? I mean, if that doesn't just scream of racism from this woman, I don't know what does. Like, that's, that's the most... I mean, you, if you thought Trump's tweets were racist, that was like a level one. This is like a level 752 on a scale of one to ten. I don't know if this woman just doesn't understand history or she's willfully ignorant to the subject. But Israel today is in no ways equatable with Nazi Germany or with the Soviet Union or with apartheid South Africa. The two do not match. The two do not match at all. In fact, Israel, unlike the other three, is the only place in the Middle East where you have freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of expression, freedom of the press. It is the only Western, only democratic society in some way. Well, Jordan is democratic. Okay, well, freedom. Israel is the beacon of freedom in the Middle East. Some of these other countries may have one thing, a couple things. But when it comes to actual, you know, freedom, Israel is the place where you find it. It's not anywhere else. It's not anywhere else. Not in that, not in that little bubble of Middle Eastern countries. Now, Israel is by no means perfect. But you know how sometimes when your little brother's getting picked on, and you know that he's really messed up some stuff in the past, and sometimes he annoys you. But then a big bully comes along and starts picking on little brother. It doesn't matter that little brother has been a pain in the past or that he's done some stuff wrong. You stand up for little brother. Because that big bully is not going to punch your brother in the face while you're standing right there. And that's how I feel about Omar. Like, somebody's got to stand up to this woman. And kudos to the representatives, including Lee Zeldin, who are. Because this lady, this messed up. You do not compare Israel to Nazi Germany and think that we are supposed to be okay with that. No, ma'am. Not the same. But so anyway, so she's one of the four uh, that have that have become the squad. Uh, the president apparently singled out and suggested that if they think that the U.S. is so bad, they could perhaps return to the countries from whence they came and help them improve. Following the vote to reprimand the president, which passed, a, uh, a measure was brought forward by Texas Representative Al Green uh, to impeach the president. Which, you know, you would think, you would think that if things were so terrible and the president was so evil and the Democrats really wanted to make their point, I mean, they, they controlled the House, they could impeach the president. But they held the impeachment vote yesterday.
and nope didn't pass even speaker pelosi says she does not approve of the resolution it wasn't even close 332 to 95 They voted to table this thing. Make it go away. Stop talking about it. It's kind of interesting. If the president is as horrific and terrible as many Democrats on the Hill would have us believe, and if he has garnered as much fear-mongering hate as Democrats on the Hill would have us believe, and if we are in such a terrible place because of him, as Democrats on the Hill would have us believe, then why would you not impeach the man? Well, I mean, for one thing, uh, because you actually have to have, like, abuse of power, obstruction of justice, and so on, and we don't have that. But because they know... But despite what you might see in polls, despite what you might hear on the media, from the media, the president is actually fairly popular. And going after a fairly popular president in an economically strong environment with an election not very far away is probably not super duper smart. And Nancy Pelosi knows that. May not agree with her on everything, but she's not stupid. Um, speaking of polling, the uh, the average polling from Real Clear Politics for the Democrats still has Biden well ahead on a national level, up by 13 points. His closest contender still Bernie Sanders, but Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris are pulling in closer, uh, becoming more established, more uh, contending. It looked like it was going to just be Biden and Sanders there for a while, but Warren and Harris are really making a making a run for this thing. I saw a, a poll yesterday, I don't remember whose poll it was, that had, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Beto. Beto was literally polling at zero. Not 0 0.3, not 0 0.1, but just 0, 0.0. Like polling level zero. That takes special talent, and um, I honestly don't know what Mr. O'Rourke did prior to his political aspirations, but I feel that it might be time to return to that field and stop wasting your time and money, sir, because polling at 0, 0.0 is really, really bad right now. Um, Mayor Pete is the only other one that's really even close to the other four, so essentially Biden, Sanders, Warren Harris, and Mayor Pete. It's pretty much stayed the five since everyone and their uncle announced that they were running for president. They're still they're still the ones in in the top. Um Harris has actually pulled into basically a tie with Joe Biden in her home state of California. And uh, I believe that was helped by the fact that most viewers of the Democratic uh, debate believed that she did the best. Uh, it was not even close. Um, 
polls showed that she was ahead 20 points, 15, 20 points in some polls in that debate. So, you know, if that continues, she could continue to pull herself uh, to the top. However, she is more of a leftist. I, I just really see Joe Biden pulling this out because as crazy as it sounds, sometimes he is the most reasonable, most moderate, uh, most traditional of the Democrats that are running. And I know that may sound um, conflicting <laughs> to some of you, but he just he's he's a comfort level. And, you know, maybe Democrats will reject the traditional and the comfort and the and the familiar. But I, I think that's why he's doing well. And I think that's why unless something drastically changes and Harris or Warren or somebody just keeps doing phenomenal in these debates, I, I just don't see anyone overcoming him because he is uh, because he's just he's. He's more of what we've been used to and not he's not as. He's not as far left, which, again, sounds crazier. Honestly, I think he probably is as far left, but he doesn't present himself as far left as some of the others. And so, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because we swung... I don't know. Don't know what's going to happen. Um, but the other ones, you know, they just keep... They just keep swinging left and left and left and further left. In fact, several of the Democratic candidates have been asked whether or not they would be willing to legalize prostitution and have either endorsed or refused to dismiss the idea. Senator Harris, the one who is is the, the one I was just talking about who did so well in the debates, who is pulling forward and you know, has the potential to get out there. She's one of those who has favored decriminalizing quote-unquote sex work. Senator Bernie Sanders was unprepared to offer a definitive answer, but was willing to take a look at it. Elizabeth Warren said she was open to decriminalization. So when I say Joe Biden is looking like the reasonable one among these people, this is what I'm talking about. Like, you have literally the two women that are running for the Democratic nomination for president. The women that are saying they're willing to legalize nationally prostitution should they become president. That's what I'm talking about. And that's why I think, I mean, if we, if these people keep getting asked questions and they keep giving responses like this that just expose the extreme leftist liberal viewpoints that they hold, I just don't see how Joe Biden doesn't win because I, I don't think that America is quite ready for that just yet. Someday, maybe, I, and maybe we're there now, I don't know, but I... That's why I just, I think that Joe Biden has a really good shot because he appears to be the most reasonable of the Democratic candidates. Not something I ever thought I'd hear myself saying a few years ago, but, you know, here we are. But, you know, the opposite could also be true, because, let's face it, 
many conservatives and Republicans didn't think that Trump would be the would be the one didn't think that he would be considered the most conservative or the most reasonable of the Republican candidates at the time right I'm not not saying anything about how he's governing I'm saying if you if you're willing to step back in time and look at it at this it it wasn't looking like that was something to be him so you know it could be the left may choose their I okay I'm just gonna stop before everybody hates me because sometimes people don't want to talk about things that we couldn't talk about so let's just move on the Trump administration uh, we'll cover a couple more a couple more political points here and then we'll take a break um, shifting gears just a little bit but uh, the president and his administration have put into action a new rule which effectively uh, will be cutting 60 million dollars from Planned Parenthood which would be a tenth of Planned Parenthood's federal f- tax funding. So it sounds like this astronomical amount, and it is, and anything is good, but it's just a tenth of what the federal government gives to Planned Parenthood currently. In February, the administration uh, finalized the rule, Title X, um, uh, t- about Title X funding projects. It requires clear financial and physical separation between Title X funded projects and programs or facilities where abortion is a method of family planning. It bans referral for abortion as a method of family plannings and eliminates a requirement that Title X providers offer abortion counseling and referral and requires more complete reporting by grantees about subrecipients and more clarity about informal partnerships with referral agencies. So this new rule, it's going to cut roughly against $60 million from the $560 Sixty-four million dollars that Planned Parenthood receives uh, during the, its fiscal year from the federal government. That money that is being cut from them is going to be redirected to women's health providers that aren't involved in abortions. I, and, and there are many that are in an uproar about this. But the question is, if it's about women's health, that money is still going to women's health. It will just no longer be used to take the lives of innocent children. And it seems to me that our government should not be in the business of using your tax dollars and my tax dollars to kill innocent children. So I'm very grateful that the president and his administration have followed through with this, and I hope to see this program expand Because my tax dollars, your tax dollars, should not be being used to murder innocent babies. Unplanned is a great, great movie that presents that very message that all life is precious. If you haven't seen it yet, I would strongly encourage you to do so. I would see it first before allowing uh, your children to see it unless you you have teenage uh, daughters are older, um, but otherwise I would personally, my, my recommendation is watch it before your kids watch it so that you are prepared for what's about to happen so that you can have an educated conversation with your kids about what you're watching on the screen and you're not sitting there going, oh, we probably should have known this before it happened. Um, but it is now showing, unplanned, it, it was shown in theaters across the United States. It's now in Canada and is 
smashing box office expectations in that country with a, what's being called a phenomenally strong opening in more than 50 Canadian theaters. It brought in over 350,000 Canadian dollars, um, according to B.J. McKelvey, the pastor and president of the Fredericton-based Synodicum, Unplanned's Canadian distributor. Uh, it's a phenomenally strong opening for just 49 theaters. He said the per-average theater number is the second highest in North America for the weekend. That is, I mean, that is phenomenal. In only 49 theaters across Canada, it was still the second highest grossing film in the country over the weekend. That is a, that's amazing. Again, if you haven't seen it, it's unplanned. You need to go and see. It. Oh, by the way, kind of an interesting uh, tidbit on the Canadian success. Um, so, a bunch of Canadian movie distributors refused to air it, and it was like this big to do in Canada. People protesting, um, and uh, and just this this huge outcry of we won't have unplanned here. And uh, what's what's being reported is that um, the the uh oh goodness my brain is not thinking but it's it's backfired on the 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 protesting has backfired in that because there has been such an outcry about this movie more people want to see it and more people have gone to see it than would have seen it if they would have just shown it without having all of this hubbub and to do about it which is it's kind of cool how god takes things that people mean for evil and turns them into good it's all throughout history he does that and he's doing that with the unplanned movie in canada even today you should see it it's unplanned i think it's unplannedthemovie.com but you can just google unplanned movie and it'll take you right to it i think it will be available on dvd soon as well it's a story of abby johnson and her departure from planned parenthood very very moving uh, film okay i need to drink some water so we need to take a break <laughs> You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio. We will return in just a few moments. All right, we are back. <clears throat> yes, we are back. I'm Crystal Heat. This is KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning are our service times. You do not want to miss out. This Sunday is Hawaiian Sunday. This is the Sunday that you wear a Hawaiian shirt to church. And nobody will look at you funny because everyone will be like, hey, like that shirt. Wish I had one like that. And you know, mine just got pineapples on it. This is a good Sunday to wear a Hawaiian shirt because it's Hawaiian shirt Sunday. I think we're going to have like pineapple juice or, you know, I, I personally, personally, guys, I have been lobbying for Dole Whip. Like I feel that since it's Hawaiian shirt Sunday, that Dole Whip would be appropriate. I don't know. I don't know, like, why, because I called Disneyland, and I said, can you just send us, we need a donation, just bring the little stand with the Dole Whip and some Mickey Mouse ears, and come give it away at church on Sunday. But I have not had any success. So if you've got a Dole Whip connection, just saying, 
it's going to be Hawaiian shirt Sunday this Sunday, so you should, you know, work on that. A subject which has gained interest since the president's gotten involved, not shocking, is that um, is is related to the U.S. women's soccer team. This has been an issue which people have really started talking about just in the last couple of weeks since the U.S. women's team won the World Cup, but it is a it is an, a years-old issue, and I just wanted to bring some light to this situation because you may be hearing about it, and I think it's being sensationalized by both sides now, and it's not... It's... it's well, you'll... Uh, let's just get into it. So the U.S. women's team won the Women's World Cup while I was in Israel. We actually watched the last 20 minutes or so of the final while eating dinner at our hotel in Bethlehem. Yeah, I know. My trip was incredible. It just was. But um, following the game, there has been much said about the liberalism of its team and its players. And if you watch the interviews and if you read the news and if you see Megan Rapinoe on this show and that show and you watch the parade in New York and hear about them not going to the White House and all this stuff, obviously it's true. A lot of players on the women's team are, are, are women who would espouse... Um, values and morals that would be directly opposed to values and morals that we uh, as um, as conservative Christians might have. So to, to yes, the team does have many uh, leftist liberal players. But they aren't all that way. And quite frankly, I've talked about this before. It's, it's just become really popular to talk about recently because of the, the president's little spat with Megan Rapinoe. But when it comes to Megan Rapinoe, look, her skills as a soccer player are just incredible. She is one of the best in the world. But if you don't actually know about soccer and you're just jumping on the outrage train, what you wouldn't know is that though she's one of the best players in the world, her time in the spotlight is rapidly coming to an end. It is highly, highly, highly unlikely that she will play in the next World Cup. Her backup, in my opinion, is just too good to leave on the bench in her prime. She already started ahead of her in one of the games during the World Cup. And, you know, quite frankly, though she's one of the best female players in the world... You probably didn't know her name prior to the World Cup, and in a few weeks, you'll have already forgotten all about her. So, I, you know, maybe we just don't need to be as concerned about Megan Rapinoe as, as we are being. Because uh, she knows. She knows that her time in the spotlight is limited, and she is utilizing that time uh, as best as she thinks she possibly can. But it's not going to last very long. The grass withers, the flower fades. It's just the way things work. And in sports, you know, the, the meteor rises and it falls real fast. I mean, the statistics of NFL players and how long they actually play in the NFL. You know, we always think about players like Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and, and the quarterbacks that we see for the majority of our childhood or for all of our teenage years, the guys that are playing for 10, 12 years, but most football players are only playing for a, a season or two, three, four, if they're lucky and doing really well, and then they're done. They're out. That guy that has all this influence and power right now and everybody wants his autograph today is going to be bagging groceries in a couple of years, and you're not going to even know who he is. 
Now, Megan Rapinoe, obviously, she wouldn't be the, the player that only plays one or two seasons and then is out. She would be more of, in, in the world of soccer, more of a Drew Brees character so, or, or Peyton Manning. So she's never going to fade into oblivion. But women's soccer also doesn't have the allure that uh, that football does. Like, you haven't seen her in any nationwide commercials recently. Um, and she just... And I, I don't anticipate that changing anytime soon. And her, her time in the sun is coming to an end. So we can either choose to add on to this... This liberal... <sighs> dogmas and doctrines by continuing to present them and rehash it and and point it out and shine a spotlight on it or we can just let it pass by it was the same way with the with the anthem controversy in the nfl a couple years ago just if we stopped talking about it amazingly it went away like the only reason they were doing it is because you were giving them attention it's the same thing with megan rapino she gets attention for this so that's one side of this whole u.s women's soccer thing but the reason why i wanted to bring it up today is is not because of megan rapino it's because of this other girl jaylene hinkle um it's suddenly become super woke in christian and conservative circles to discuss jaylene hinkle and the everyone is outraged over how the women's team rejected jaylene hinkle now i'm not saying that they didn't i'm not saying there shouldn't be outrage but guys um Let's think about this for a second, okay? Jalen Hinkle, she's a young lady who is arguably uh, the best left back in the U.S. In, in, in women's soccer. Arguably the best. That is across the board. Liberals, conservatives, soccer people, non-soccer people. If you know anything about soccer, everybody pretty much agrees that Jalen Hinkle is the best one. So why is she not playing on the U.S. women's team? Well, because a few years ago, get that, years ago, two years ago, uh, she declined to call up from the national team because they were going to be wearing uh, gay pride jerseys in one of their games. The Irish Times said that though Hinkle is the finest left back in the National Women's Soccer League, Hinkle likely would have been a fish out of water on the uber-woke women's national team, some of whose biggest stars are openly lesbian, raising questions about whether she would have thrown off the squad's chemistry. Uh, In 2015, she objected publicly uh, to the Supreme Court's ruling that legalized same-sex marriage. She wrote on her Instagram page, Quote, Jesus didn't come to save those who already believed in him. He came so that the lost, rejected, and abandoned men and women would find him and believe. I believe with every fiber in my body that what was written 2,000 years ago in the Bible is undoubtedly true. It's not a fictional book. It's not a pick and choose what you want to believe. You either believe it or you don't. This world may change, but Christ and his word never will. My heart is that as Christians, we don't begin to throw a tantrum over what has been brought into law today, but we become that much more loving, that through our love, the lost, rejected, and abandoned find Christ. The rainbow was a covenant made between God and all his creation that never again would the world be flooded as it was when he destroyed the world during Noah's time. It's a constant reminder that no matter how corrupt this world becomes, he will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace, even during times of trial and confusion. Love one over 2,000 years ago when the greatest sacrifice of all time was made for all mankind. So, 
this girl, Jaylene Hinkle, she's an outspoken Christian, a devout Christian, a incredible, incredible soccer player. Uh, she had been called up for several uh, women's national team games. And then in 2017, the team was wearing special jerseys to celebrate Gay Pride Month for two international matches, and Hinkle declined to play. She said, quote, I felt so convicted in my spirit that it wasn't my job to wear this jersey. I gave myself three days to just seek and pray and determine what God was asking me to do in this situation. So, Jaylene Hinkle declined that call up because of the because of of the gay pride jerseys, and though the the team has said that it's solely a soccer decision, she has not played for the team since. And that explanation has been met by everyone with any sort of soccer knowledge with ex- extreme skepticism because she is the best left back in America. But of her decision, she said, I'm essentially giving up the one dream little girls dream about their entire life. It was very disappointing. She's talking about girls that grew up playing soccer. I wanted. To, I grew up playing soccer. I wanted to play for the women's team in the World Cup. It was just, it was, that. she's right. And she said, I think that's where the peace trumps the disappointment because I knew in my spirit I was doing the right thing. I knew I was being obedient. But just because you're obedient doesn't make it easy. If I never get another national team call up again, then that's just part of God's plan and that's okay. What's unfortunate to me is that this happened two years ago in 2017, and at the time, no one cared. It's just some women's soccer player. Nobody knew her story. Nobody published her story. Nobody talked about her story. But now, suddenly, it's trendy because of Megan Rapinoe and because the president's talking about soccer and because the World Cup just happened. So even though it's a two-year-old story, people are going to click the link and clicks equal money. But guys, if it's important now, it was important then. And if you didn't care about it then, do you really care about it now? Or is your outrage just in response to the outrage you see as Megan Rapinoe and her uber-woke co-players? And do we as Christians, like, do we think that God doesn't see this? Do we think that God doesn't care about Jaylene? Do you think that God can't get her on the team? I mean, question for you. Aside from the outrage expressed on social media or to your family and friends, have you actually talked to God about your concerns about this? I mean, do you actually really concern about Jaylene, or do you just care about getting clicks and and making a, a statement? And I'm not saying we can't have or discuss opinions, that we shouldn't write articles. I mean, I, I wouldn't be on the radio if this was the case. But my personal thoughts on Jaylene Hinkle's situation, or my opinions on her Rapino, won't change anything in the world of soccer. They can't. I won't. I don't have that power. But I do know the one who does. And guess what? Jaylene is my sister, and I pray for her. Literally, I pray for her. Because I, I, her, her testimony is phenomenal, and she's an amazing player, and I hope that, that she's given another chance and that God elevates her and gives her the platform that I believe she deserves in the world of soccer. I pray for Megan Rapino. I pray that Megan Rapino will be saved. And I pray that good, godly people will be blessed with athletic ability and be given platforms that most of us can barely even imagine so that they might influence our culture and, by the way, our children for good and for God. Do you pray for that? Or do you just outrage? Again, I'm not saying you can't or that we shouldn't post opinions on social media or whatever. 
but there there should be a balance, and I, I think it's worth a top worth uh, worth a thought. And while we're on the outrage topic, I've got to tell you, I'm gonna wrap up with this here. But I was I was out of the country for two weeks. I haven't taken that much time away from anything in a long, long time, let alone gone out of the country. And uh, the fact that for the vast majority of that time, I was pretty much disconnected from the world. Like, I could have turned on my phone. Um, I didn't know that till I got there. I chose not to for the majority of the time, but I had to some of the time uh, just to check on the home front and the puppies and the selling of the house and everything. So I, I had to have it on it at some points um, and, and pay for that service. But for most of the time, it was off, and I was just disconnected from the world. And it's, it was amazing. It was so nice. And incredibly, the world kept going without, without Facebook, without Instagram, without Snapchat, without Twitter, without Fox News, without CNN. The world kept going. And guess what, guys? The outrage will still be there next week. The outrage will still be there next year. It's just going to be a new topic or a new person or a new event. The problems are still going to be there. What won't still be there, though, is your time. Your time is flying away. It is fleeing past you so, so quickly. Value it. Treasure it. Spend it oh so wisely. I mean, maybe Twitter isn't the best option for the next 20 minutes of your life. I mean, soon your kids are going to be in college. Soon your parents are going to be gone. Have you spent time with your maker lately? Your life is going to is not, not last forever on this earth. You know what I... I know we don't Sabbath anymore and we celebrate the resurrection on Sunday and we call that our Sabbath, but sometimes I wonder if we ever actually take a break. Like that's the, that was the whole idea of Sabbath was just, just take a break, just stop, just disconnect and spend time with God. But not only, I, I think that we've, we've reached a point where not only do we not spend time with God like we should, but we also don't disconnect. So we're not disconnecting or spending time with God. What? Just, just think about that for a minute. Like, when do you disconnect? Or a better question, do you disconnect? And I mean at least for a day. Not to shirk your responsibilities uh, for a day, but to disconnect from, from social media, from emails, from, from constantly working, from cleaning, from errands, from activities. Just, just take a break. You know what? I'm, I'm, guilt, I'm so guilty of this because I love to be busy. I thrive on busy. I need busy. But it's, it's just good sometimes to, to step away and to realize you don't. You know, I, I realize I'm just, I'm way too plugged in. Which may, which may sound like an oxymoron, but I know this will be some, hard for some of you to hear. It's hard for me to hear. But if you don't know everything that's happening in the world all the time, that's okay. If your social media followers don't hear from you for two weeks... That's okay, too. I mean, you might lose, like, 300 followers, but did they really even care about what you were saying if they leave because you're gone for a couple weeks? Probably not. Those aren't your real friends. Now, whether it be soccer or politics or anything else, what we need is to get back to a point where big things are big things and things that aren't big aren't big. We need to get back to a point where we literally and figuratively take time actively choose to take time to unplug. We need to get to a point where time with God is more important than time on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or the Age app or anything else. We need to get to a point where what God says matters more to us than what Rapino says or what Trump says or what anybody else says. And we need to get back to a point 
where we know our Bibles better than we know our newsfeed. Boom. Yes, done. We're just going to end the show right there. You can quote me on that one. Uh, in fact, I might quote myself. But <laughs> it's been great having you with us. Thanks for listening. Hawaiian shirt Sunday at church this week, 9 30, 11 15 Sunday morning, 6 p.m. Sunday evening. You can wear your Hawaiian shirt for all three services. That would be great. 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. No word yet on if we have the Dole Whip. No one has come through on that. You can text me, call me. If you want to donate Dole Whip to our Hawaiian Experience Sunday, I will help you make that happen. Okay? It will not be a problem at all. But there will be, you know, other fun stuff, even if we don't get the Dole Whip. So you should come wear your Hawaiian shirt. It's going to be epic. Thanks for listening. We will see you back here tomorrow, same time, same place on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas.